You are listening to High TV, your place for cannabis news, insights, and information. If you're new to this podcast, you're a newbie. What's going on, newbie? Welcome to the show. Hope to see you soon. Just know when Monday morning comes and this podcast plays in your cars and your headphones, you will be the most informed person in cannabis in your circle. Stay tuned and stay high, folks. ITV. So let me start this by saying it's been a while. It's been nearly two years since I recorded a podcast episode for High TV. And, you know, my separation from recording the podcast also came from my separation from the cannabis industry. And what has happened to the cannabis industry in these last two years? I mean, if you listen to this podcast and this episode pops up, maybe you're still subscribed. Maybe you're still following my Hemp International Instagram page. And to be honest, I don't even know for a while if people really, you know, paid attention to the podcast. You know, I stopped getting as many messages or hit-ups or whatnot, but I still record it. Nonetheless, just to answer the gorilla in the room, for lack of better words, right? I kind of separated myself from the cannabis industry because I kind of saw an industry that was built to fail. What do I mean? As someone who was passionate about cannabis, passionate about science, and generally, much like yourself, someone who probably rebels you know, against the conventional norms, cannabis checked all those boxes. You know, not only was it something that was illegal that is now becoming legal and is also proven to be beneficial for one's health, who wouldn't want to be a part of something like that? You know, however, as legalization kept on happening and as the idea of living in a legalized cannabis world came about and therefore as an entrepreneur like myself or entrepreneur minded I should say getting a piece of the industry was a pipe dream and I saw through my involvement in the cannabis industry but particularly on the CBD and hemp side you know and podcast and media side that the industry was built to fail you know you look at so many states where they have license uh, stipulations that made it nearly impossible to enter the industry unless you already had, you know, large cash on hand. It's almost as if they made the excuse of saying, we don't, we don't want drug dealers to enter the industry because they're criminals and we don't want criminals in the industry. So we have to make the ceiling of entry a bit high. And the logic of that makes sense on the surface. When you read between the lines, what it's really saying is, if you're a drug dealer, especially a good one, chances are you can afford the licenses anyway. What it really is, is saying if you're someone such as a Bo Wrigley of Sutera Wellness slash Parallel while I used to work, someone who hasn't been a success in the business world, much like his father, who created the Wrigley, the company, with made all those gums and whatnot, right? An industry like cannabis is ripe for the picking. So if you've failed in every other business venture, a lot of individuals transfer into cannabis in order to make an easy business, right? It's it, it's a business where the product is already sought after. 
However, for some reason, these governments that legalized cannabis decided to make laws that made it nearly impossible not only to get a license, but to follow regulations. I mean, if you look at a chart that shows how much cannabis was destroyed as opposed to how much cannabis was sold, it doesn't even make sense why you grow. It's almost like when you plan out a grow, you already know so much of your cannabis for that year, all right, is going to be destroyed. And it's like, why legalize a plant if you're going to be destroying so much of it? All right. And so for me as an entrepreneur, I know I didn't fit the, you know, conventional individuals who had in Florida, per se, you know, twenty five million dollars in assets sitting around in order to leverage, you know, getting the license or justify me having a legal cannabis license. And even here in Florida it's medical. So there's even more stipulations on top of that. OK, but since I've left, it seems more states have legalized cannabis, such as New York. That's my hometown. You know, shout out to y'all, your bacon, egg, and cheese, Timberlands, and all that. And that's obviously progress, and that's a great thing, you know? But again, has the cannabis industry really blossomed in New York City? So what has happened since New York City legalized cannabis is the fact that those individuals who are serving, you know, cannabis illegally are now doing it without fear of persecution, right? They now are transitioning into branding their cannabis you know, business. For instance, I went to uh, New York City about a year ago, I believe, in July, shortly after July 4th, or during July 4th, I should say, and I went to Stoned Cannabis. That's a pizza shop in New York City where individuals order their pizza, and their pizza is infused with cannabis. They also get drinks like imitations of Sprite, Fanta, Cola, you name it, that are also infused with cannabis, okay? And in addition, you also get, you know, garlic knots that are covered in weed butter it's amazing the food not only was an amazing pizza food experience from the top but also was a great experience when it came to edibles because you got high but you didn't get too high you know if you're eating a whole pie you'll probably get a little too high they mean to rhyme there but it's the truth you know if you have about two three slices they're cut up in nice sizes then you probably won't have yourself a good time put a smile on your face giggle a little bit have a good time and so that was a positive, right? That's the positive of legalization is you're l literally allowed to buy infused foods out in the open. Now, granted, I wouldn't even say it's out in the open. Because let me tell you a story about how this pizza went down. I'll get back to my absence in the cannabis industry on the media side. Since I already covered why I kind of discontinued the business side. So I went to New York City. We had a broad idea of getting stone pizza because, of course, living in Florida for so many years, I'm missing out on this experience. So we go ahead and find the address for the place. We find the phone number and we call them up and say, hey, how does this work? Do we just have to have, do we have to like go into the pizza shop like any other pizza shop in New York and order pizza? And guess what they say? They say, "Nah, well, it's appointment only to sit in the restaurant, which is understandable unless you have lines outside the door and who knows how crazy that could get. Secondly, if you're not doing appointment only, we will deliver the pizza to you. Issue is we're two boroughs away <laughs> from where the pizza shop is in Staten Island. So we have to drive all the way down. We called them. The order was ready. They said, you can come pick it up. We go to the location and the guy calls and says, hey, where are you guys? I'm like, what the fuck? I thought you were going to drop it off to us. He asks us to walk into the back of an alley on Coney Island. All right, real shady shit in the daytime, though. And it's Coney Island, so it's not that bad, right? Like, there's, like, a lot of fun shit happening. You don't get the vibes. So he says, yo, meet me by this alleyway, and I'll drop you off the pizza. 
So we're walking, you know, looking around and my New York brain turned on and I'm just checking, you know, the cars that are parked in the alleyway. There's anybody like in there kind of like ducking below the, uh, you know, steering wheel, not trying to be seen. I'm just seeing what my surroundings are. Things seem safe. I'm like, all right, weird way to get your pizza, but I get it. It's cannabis infused. So got to be a little different. So we get to the alleyway. The guy says, are you there? We're like, yeah, we're, we're where you told us to be. And I kid you not, two minutes after hanging up the phone, this man materialized out of nowhere, like a ninja. He apparently there's a secret entrance behind like a, a, a line of porta potties behind the gate. And then that's where he was able to drop off the pizza. And we was like, yo, where did you come from? He's like, you know, I just popped up. I'm like, yo, you came from behind the porta potties? He's like, you know, we have our routes, how to get where we got to go. I was like, yo, why y'all being low key? He's like, well, you know how it goes here in New York City. They want a license. They don't want it. They, they want us to do business in the establishment, not necessarily outside the establishment. So it's like a gray area that they operate in. One, it was a cool and funny way to get the pizza because I swear to God, we ended the phone call, looked around, didn't see the guy, thought we were like, you know, being set up or some shit. And a guy pops up out of nowhere. Amazing. But back to why you're listening, why I left the cannabis industry. So as you know, I had Hemp International. I started Hemp International from literally nothing on Instagram when Instagram was just bubbling up to be the massive social platform it was being, or it is today. I started posting information about hemp and, about hemp and its benefits and how amazing it was. And later on, I transitioned from, you know, hemp information to overall cannabis and also green information as in what's sustainable because in my eyes hemp was so cool because if we have global warming or we have you know environmental conditions that are caused by our industrialized world then hemp could be a reason to save that you know for instance you have Hiroshima Nagasaki Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan when they got the nuclear bomb they planted hemp in order to you know clean the soils right because apparently hemp is great at sucking in toxins right that's one. Number two, it builds houses. Number three, it can fuel cars. Number four, you can build plastic, uh, plastic that is harder than steel and used for cars or whatever you want. Right. So the list was endless as to why this was amazing. I'm like, yo, I got to share this with the world. And so it seemed that it gained traction and people really wanted to get this information because for one, they didn't really have much other areas to get the information, at least how I was presenting it to them. You know, I then realized as the information became way, way more readily uh, available, I have to differentiate myself from just sharing the conventional memes. So I started to create my own posts, learn how to edit pictures, you know, find titles. And these articles that I would read for my enjoyment, I thought, let me just share this with you guys on Instagram. You know, so it's either I would write my own, you know, little summary of the article or I just post a whole article. I later learned you guys just wanted to read the whole article and not really what I had to say. And I thought that was, that was okay. These people who are writing these articles are writers and I'm here typing on Instagram, right? And so as I transitioned from, you know, hemp to cannabis information, I then thought it was amazing to cover legalization in the United States and around the globe. I mean, we're hemp international after all. And while this is happening, I'm realizing that people are really enjoying the information. So naturally, I began a podcast. I'm like, if I have one arm on Instagram, let's have another arm of this media entity in the form of a podcast in high TV. 
And so the whole goal was to not only have the media arm, but also have a product arm along the way where you had high TV, you have Hemp International. And my first entry into the cannabis industry product wise was with uh, Hint, right? Hemp International, Hint. And what I sold was anti-anxiety spray, CBD. As a person at the time, I was in college, man. I was in college. And as you know, college can be a stressful environment because, you know, you're not necessarily happy with, with, you know, what you're doing. But, you know, you have to do it because you're already in debt for all of what you're being taught. And, you know, finals, midterms, grades, girls, friends, all type of shit was going down. Right. And so anxiety was at the utmost high. Like, I mean... You were having a tough time having conversations because there's just so much happening in your mind. You're at a constant unease. And so once CBD became a bit more popular around 2015, 2016, I'm like, yo, I'm enjoying taking the CBD. I might as well go ahead and make a product. You know, I myself hated droppers. And so I said, yo, a great product would be anti-anxiety spray, right? It's something just like the tincture where you spray under the tongue and you're able to absorb those cannabinoids straight to the bloodstream and into your brain to provide you the uh, calming effects that CBD has much quicker. And it was a hit. It worked. It was very successful. You know, shortly afterwards, I believe I ran into, into some, uh, I didn't have it. I couldn't scale. I tried to scale larger, try to get my stuff in the stores and I wasn't able to maintain the online orders and the uh, in-person smoke shop orders and the things kind of just fizzled out there i'm like all right it's my first thing in the business i had a successful couple of months let me go ahead and continue with this uh media arm kept posting on habits national now fast forward to 2020 around a time where i kind of left you know the whole cannabis thing behind you know a couple of things were happening one you had the pandemic you know where life just kind of shut down and changed. I even tried covering in a couple of episodes here. We had a presidential election where we were transitioning from going from Trump to Biden. I think Biden uh, talk about what cannabis stocks to buy in case Biden wins was the latest episode. And that's because at the time I was getting into stocks. You know, during the pandemic, the stock market was on fire and it was a easier way to monetize as an entrepreneur was through stocks because as you know when you have a cannabis media page you're not going to be as brand friendly and you're not going to be companies in the cannabis industry rather send you product and pay you for for uh, promotion right the same reason why we watch you know cnn or other media entities what fuels their ability to give you news is that they get advertisements that allow them to give you news in their unique and differentiated way so with that being said, my focus kind of shifted because as I try to monetize this media arm, it became a bit more difficult. You'll get some sponsorships here or there. You promote some things here or there, but it wasn't consistent, you know, but nonetheless, I love the, I love the podcast. I love sharing, you know, what I read and what I learned during the week, you know, on the podcast, I love putting in a new intro. I love just coming back to you guys every single week. And so as the pandemic went on, my focus kind of shifted towards, look, graduated college, you know, about a year, about a year or two. Now it's time to get into the real world. So I had to go work at a lab. You know, I'm a science guy doing microbiology. And, and, and slowly but surely, I lost my love for, you know, posting on Instagram nonetheless, because I, I don't know if I'm, my timing is right, but I believe it was 2020 when George Floyd 
you know, massive riots in the streets over, you know, a black man getting killed by a police officer, by a police brutality. It caused the whole nation and the whole world to look at the situation here at America, you know, at a much closer and up close uh, lens. All right. And so naturally, as a person who related to George Floyd, because George Floyd looks like I do, I thought it was also a good idea to post some of this on Hemp International. It was news nonetheless, and we're a media page. So we will post some things that may be happening in the real world that don't necessarily connect to cannabis. Right. We're not a one trick pony. You know, and slowly after posting these things, I would just read the comments and the comments weren't necessarily negative towards me, but it was me feeling like I built an audience that if I was a front facing brand, which, as you know, Hempton National isn't, you know, my voice, you may know my some of my words, you may see my posts and creations, but I wasn't really forward face or face forward media entity. You know, for various reasons, for one professional reasons, cannabis had a stigma. And so early on, I decided to do this without showing my face just in case it impacted me professionally. You know, that's just a, that's just what it was. And so as I kept seeing this and even in a way begrudgingly posted some of these things in order to almost entice these individuals who were or were not racist or said unfollow or I used to love this page and you guys are not posting this filth. And all it was was really, you know, having support for, you know, Black Lives Matter or showing support for George Floyd or or just even posting anything about it in general. And as a person who put in so much time and effort into posting multiple times a day, reading multiple amounts of information in regards to cannabis, you know, editing while I'm driving in order to make sure I have that certain amount of posts a day to get that level of engagement, to provide you with information you know, like when you put so much effort in something and you realize the audience that you're building isn't necessarily the audience that you want to curate, it puts a bad taste in your mouth. You know, when you combine the bad taste left in your mouth by pause, <laughs> the bad taste left in your mouth by your audience and combine that with the fact that you have to now grow up in a sense and enter the real world and make sure you have some type of career building. And the fact I was running a CBD flower business at the same time, I was like, listen, man, Hemp International, I've done it for about five years. You know, it was 2019, six years at the time, 2020, and it kind of fell back. And I think you guys realize if you followed Hemp International page clearly, you can even look through, you could see where the post per day was extremely high or even for the week was extremely high. And then you could see where posts were featuring the like weed brand that I had built. You know, I thought like we was a great brand name. I thought it was very recognizable and it could be a brand not only for CBD flower, but for anything for people who like weed, you know. But again, that business venture was going great for a while, had some issues with my founder and that kind of fell to the wayside. And it, it happens, you know, it happens. You know, it, it's not it's not a thing where every single venture is going to blossom, you know, or bud <laughs> rather into a fruitful, you know, existence. But at least the attempt was there. And so if you guys were a fan, you know, I apologize for, for, for dipping off from high TV. You know, I apologize for not posting on Hebert National. But it was something I did in order to pursue something I felt was more tangible. As a, again, someone who is passionate about cannabis and has an entrepreneur mindset, the path towards success in cannabis seemed to invoke having enough capital 
in order to not only secure licenses, but buy larger quantities and combine the fact that Delta 8 was coming around the corner. And as someone who sold something like CBD flower and CBD products, I knew for a fact that Delta 8 sales were going to, tr for lack of a better term, trump the sales of conventional CBD. Why is that? You know, even though many people take CBD for health reasons or anxiety reasons, you know, many individuals buy bought CBD because they lived in, in, in a either medical state, a illegal cannabis state, and that was their only way or closest way to get to the plant without any risks. However, when you're a cannabis lover and maybe conventional weed isn't available, you go to the smoke shop. And if you try something that gets you to feel, you know, close to the high that you're used to with cannabis, then you're probably going to go that route if you're not taking it for, for medicinal reasons. And to be honest, those individuals that take cannabis for medicinal reasons, they were getting this stuff directly from, you know, dispensaries. They were getting their cannabis, you know, highly concentrated. They weren't getting, you know, these tinctures that were diluted with MCT oil. They were getting their, you know, rosin, their their crude oil that is that has uh, a lot of phyto plant material in there. You know, they were not just looking for only the molecule CBD and or THC. They were looking for a full spectrum, you know, not, not a refined golden amber oil. And so I just I just saw the the business landscape. From the point of it was a price to the bottom, you know, I had, I had a smoke shop that I was pretty close to where I lived and uh, they were gracious enough in order to carry my product. So, of course, we'd have conversations every now and then. And, you know, eventually they said that it was easier for them to use some of their revenue from, you know, the smoke shop to kind of create their own, you know, hemp brand because they have a smoke shop. They have a place to sell it. They have multiple smoke shops. And so why not just invest some of their money into building their own hemp brand? That way that they don't have to buy from these various CBD vendors. They don't have to, you know, skim for that. They can make their revenue easy, right? Brand their products, sell it online, sell it in the smoke shops. And later on, when we actually had conversations shortly after I kind of dipped out the cannabis market, became more of a consumer rather than a seller of these products. He was letting me know that it seems like the industry is at a race to the bottom, as in the CBD industry is so desperate for sales that everyone is trying to sell, you know, their price per gram at lower and lower prices, which resulted in not only lower revenue, but also uh, a, a very <laughs> lower profit. You know, if, if anything, break even. So if you're not operating where you're buying at such a bulk that where if your price is low, you can profit. It wasn't a, a fruitful venture. So with that being said, combine the fact that the CBD industry, you know, was deteriorating to a point where only those who were large enough to sustain the change of economic environment or were closely connected towards a grow. It was kind of hard for the, the uh, smaller guy. You know, Delta 8 came in. I talked to all the smoke shop people who are who would buy from me. And they're saying, oh, Delta 8, that stuff sells. CBD, that barely sells. You know, it's only like a few customers that come in and religiously get their CBD. But everybody, everybody loves Delta 8. Now, even combine the fact that, you know, vapes were something that were selling way faster than CBD and even Delta 8. Because, of course, nicotine is addictive. That these shops <laughs> pivoted directly into the distributors who are carrying the vape. So kind of if you wanted to succeed, you had to cut a deal with distributors who are selling vape products 
to carry your product, most likely at a co-signment, to try and get your, your stuff on shelves. So, of course, it takes a lot of hustle, a lot of great in order to get yourself there. But I thought to myself, you know, I have an entrepreneurship mindset. I understand that the industry is literally made not to fail, but to not be profitable enough to attack the cigarette industry and alcohol industry, which it already has, right? We're seeing cigarette uh, uh, cigarette sales at the lowest it's ever been. Now, that has changed in recent years. Not the combustible cigarettes, but e-cigarettes has risen almost at the same speed at which conventional cigarettes have dropped down. We've seen alcohol sales actually down. The pandemic, for a short period, about a year, saw a bounce back in alcohol sales via the form of seltzer, uh, excuse me, drinks. But still, cannabis, they were assuming was going to, was going to take its space. Little did we know that for people who were, you know, in their early 20s to about mid 30s, that this vape nicotine craze was going to take over as their vice of choice. It's you can take it anywhere. The smell is inoffensive, you know, and ultimately it's addictive. You know what I'm saying? That's why you see in every TikTok video, every social media video, there's like a vape in the background in their hand. And sadly, I have a vape in my hand right now. <laughs> right. I felt susceptible. So if you have been a listener of high TV, I thank you. I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate you for tuning in. Those of you who have contacted me via DM over the last two years, I probably haven't even seen it because I have not really been active on Hebaton National. Yeah, I may post here or there when I'm like, oh, this is a piece of content I think will go well on Hebaton National, but I wasn't engaged enough to go through the DMs and respond and, you know, talk and have conversations but nonetheless, nonetheless, if you supported Heaven International, you know, from its creation five, six, seven years ago, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And, you know, I think you, you're in good hands. I think uh, X-List or Blacklist XYZ, he's coming in. He killed the game. I think he's at like around 300 to 400,000 followers. He changed the game by not only covering cannabis news, but also covering arrest. Which I didn't even know that was like an interesting thing, but that's how media is, right? Individuals see that there's an interest in something and they give it and they go ahead and give it to you. And his audience is primarily from the California area where a lot of raids were occurring, where a lot of weed was being confiscated by the cops. You know, and that that is definitely the news because if you live in that area and your your friend just got raided, you may end up on X uh, uh, Blacklist XYZ. It was like the world star hip hop of cannabis, you know, drama ensued, stuff that's happening in the industry, a lot of things. But I say this, I say that not to say that the industry is doomed for failure. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you already had a good thing going with cannabis, like you were at a higher level, you know, financially successful, all those things, chances are you're doing just fine now. Even though about 70% of the brands who were, you know, around and kicking, you know, when I was heavily in my cannabis media slash business journey, a lot of them aren't here anymore. But those who were big, like, a let's say, Green Roads or CBDMD, you know, Nature's Root uh, and things of that nature, they're still here. So there is hope there. You know, you're seeing Burner open up cookies location in Florida. You're seeing Jungle Boys moving to Florida. So we're now seeing, you know, that franchise that we predicted was going to happen with the cannabis industry, similar to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, you know, where if you have enough funds 
and you know you meet the quality standards you can go ahead and spread your cannabis brand like a jungle boys or cookies that is globally known to other areas and find success we've seen the failure of medmen in the, in the last few years where medmen i believe they went bankrupt or something like that and i was a huge fan cuz clearly i like the branding i like the marketing i like the use of color i like the communication but the quality of product just wasn't there people just didn't enjoy it it was overpriced and they thought what they could do is make a uh remy martin of cannabis where it's high end products where the price is justified by how you look with weed but at the end of the day when you're rolling up that weed weed is green <laughs> you know what i'm saying so once it's out that bag out that bottle out that canister it's going to be rolled up and smoked up okay if it's in a vape maybe the vape may look cooler but branding clearly is still you know a a thing to flesh out in the cannabis industry so Am I gone from the cannabis industry for good? I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to close the chapter completely, but I recognize that my last episode was October 19, 2020, and it is now August, about to be September of 2022. And so I thought it was good to give you guys an update. You know, hopefully you guys are great. Uh, I would love to know what life changes if you made this far in this episode, what life changes has happened to you in the last two years, what things have you accomplished I mean, if you're in the cannabis industry, where are you now compared to where you were then when Hemp International was active, when High TV was active? You know, feel free to reach out. You know, I'll check my DMs. And uh, if you hit me up, I may answer. You may have a nice conversation. And who knows? I may even check back in with you on your journey. Because if anything, always remember the most important thing to do when you want to do a thing is to do that thing. Try and try again. You cannot succeed without failure. So as long as you are attempting, as long as you are putting up shots when you're making misses at the basket, as long as you're running those laps when you're not coming in first place, if you keep trying, you keep attempting to improve, you keep attempting to complete that goal or whatever you wanted to achieve, you'll eventually get there. You know, sometimes it's not, you know, what you want to achieve is when. And your hard work determines how quickly you get there. So with that being said, I'm not willing to throw my towel and quit in totality. But I had to regroup myself and kind of get things going on the career side and gain some capital in order so that I can attempt once again, try again into this industry. So again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening after two years of being an absentee father. All right. I went to go get some hemp cigarettes and never came back. I apologize. But if you're listening, I appreciate you. And who knows, we may see each other again. Bless.